What does it mean to be creative? When I choose to be a moderator, it's my goal to make the focus on the celebrity and their relationship to the fans. To think outside the box. He said, well, you can't be all things to all people or something to that effect. You can't appeal to everybody. And I said, why the hell not? We sit down with artists, filmmakers, comedians, and performers of all genres to ask them eight simple questions on what makes them tick. And what can we learn from their quest for creativity? It's time for your Creativity Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dylan, your Creativity Podcast. We are at the... Excuse me. You're doing great, Dylan. Thank you. Yeah, keep it up. That, that one wasn't... A, no need for a take two. This is fine. It, that wasn't horrible. It just... I forget to breathe, and then when I breathe, I stop talking. Did you just say you forget to breathe? Yeah. God, really? <laughs> I get nervous doing this. So you forget to breathe. What? Hey, Tighten listen, up. calm down, man. You have nothing to be nervous about. I know. Okay? I'm a friend of yours. We've known sure. each other. There's nothing disastrous that's going to happen. Take a breath. You're about to host a podcast. Your creativity with a T and an eight in there for some reason. It's kind of redundant. This is a silly podcast. There's no reason to be nervous. Let your heart rate slow. Take a breath. Let me see you take a breath. In through my nose? Uh-huh. Okay, how you feeling? Better. All right. Thank you. Continue with the <laughs> intro, Dylan. Welcome back, everybody. We are on the road again. We are at the Golden Spike Comedy Festival in downtown Salt Lake City. How is that the road? Well, we're, when we're not on the studio, in the studio, it's, we're on the road. I see. That's how I refer to it. Okay. When we do remotes. Cool. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I didn't mean to step on what you were doing there. No. My, we are my, on the road. A the good, go- we're a good 11 minutes away from the studio, aren't we? Um, maybe, depending on the traffic. Depending on traffic. Okay, yeah. Well, either way, I think you can call it the road. I think even... In midday, when there's no traffic, and you zip down here at 80 miles an hour, and you get here in seven minutes, I'm on board with calling this broadcast from the road. All right. That, we'll, we'll stick with it then. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep on referring it to that. That voice you're hearing, everybody, is the one and only Andy Gold. Thank um, you. The Utah-raised, now L.A.-based comedian. How are you, Andy? Um, I'm fine. I'm in town for the uh, Golden Spike Comedy Festival. I did a couple of spots last night. Uh, Dylan, the host of the Your Creativity podcast, the prestigious Your Creativity podcast, reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do it. So I set aside some time, and I've just been giddy about it all week, Dylan. I can't tell you how excited I am to be on your podcast, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. How is I haven't listened to an episode yet, but I know I'm a fan of yours. Well, this is our, I believe, our 12th episode. Do you mind if, I know you told me you asked me eight questions. Do you mind if I ask you any questions? Go for it. And make a kind of conversation? Yeah, it's a very How casual. Come, okay, good. What made you want to do a podcast? Well, before this podcast, I was part of a movie podcast that kind of imploded on the network, as some podcasts do sometime. Uh-huh. Um, and when that fell apart, um, I was doing a blog at the same time. A blog? Yeah. Okay interviewing people with eight questions ah. so it just kind of and then you uh just transitioned the blog uh into the podcast medium right i see 
Did you ever have the thought that I, Dylan Maziotti, need to be heard? Depends. <laughs> we ask, I guess. I'm asking oh, you. Me? D- did you ever? Th- were you ever sitting alone or with people wherever, and you just thought, what I have to say is too good. I can't keep it to myself. I need to go out and share it with the world. The thoughts of Dimas are so good that I need to share them. Well, th- this this podcast is guest based, so I. I enjoy- but they're your questions. But I, I think they're questions that you know, some people would wonder <laughs> about these you know about these guests. <laughs> so what motivated you wasn't that you're so charming and brilliant that you need to be heard, but that you thought you could have interesting guests on and share, share, that. share the perspectives of your interesting guests with the people. And you chose me? Yeah. Dylan, I'm flattered. Well, you, you, you've been through a lot, and your comedy Oh, my God. Is... Are you going to want to talk about the heroin thing? No. It's fine. We can. But just know every podcast person has talked to me about <laughs> it. But we can totally talk about it. That's what I get for being... I bring it on myself. Like, I talk about it a lot in the act. So it's very unfair of me to attack you like that. <laughs> I'm used to you attacking me if I can Come on, dude. When have I attacked right. you? I know you've been joking every time you did it, but... Uh-huh. But I, I have I been abusive? No. Did you say? Is that too strong? Okay, good. Like, when I was sitting in on one of your podcasts and I was eating my, my Greek thing and... You were eating a gyro and you had managed to get some of it on your leg. Not just your face and your <laughs> shirt. You managed to get the sauce on the face, the hands, the shirt, and the leg. It was distracting me. <laughs> White sauce everywhere. <laughs> yes. It was impressive well, that you managed to do that by accident. That level of carelessness when eating takes a truly neglectful person. Huh? I don't think you're born with that kind of self-neglect. I think you cultivate it. Yeah, I have cultivated it. And I think it. you've zeroed in on it over the years. 41 years. Ma- way to go, dude. <laughs> That's impressive. Big ups, dude. Me and Dylan are fist bumping right now. Since this is an audio medium. Yes, we got to tell the audience what we're doing, don't we? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, let's get on with it. I yep. am excited. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome to us. Thanks for coming to town so we could, we could do this. I'll look for any reason I can to come to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's we get cer- on with it. We certainly do miss you. Uh-huh. So I, I just described you in a comedian in my intro. How would you describe yourself? Oh, Jesus. That's an, wow. How would I describe myself? Yeah. What are we talking, physically? Have you professionally, personally, physically, however you want to describe yourself? Okay. I would say uh, physically, average height, blue eyes, fair skin. Uh, blonde hair. Sometimes people say I have strawberry blonde or red hair. Uh, Not necessarily. Is it blonde? It's blonde. Okay, I'm happy to hear that. Good. Uh, I could afford to lose about 20 pounds. I have a, what I think is a bad voice. I think I have a old lady voice. Uh, pear-shaped. Let's see. How else should I continue describing myself physically? You know, the lines from my act, bully from a 1990s Disney movie. Things like that. Very buttercream gang. Buttercream gang. Very Mormon looking. Okay. Uh, personality wise, um, I would say I'm likable. I can be kind of rude sometimes. I have a very short attention span. I'm not a good listener. I 
am not good at remembering people's names, which makes me look like a bigger dick than I actually am. I'm horrible with names. Are you? Yeah. Oh, good. But the problem is I'm a very outgoing person who's bad with names. So I'm putting myself in all kinds of scenarios where I look like a dick. Because I'll approach somebody and say hi and strike up a conversation with them. And I've met this person four or five times, and I forgot about all of those instances. How else should I describe myself personality-wise? Um... I'm a procrastinator. I am an attention seeker. Let's see, I'm giving you a pretty honest assessment of myself. I'm pretty bright. Yes. Pretty bright guy. Very smart. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate (laughs) that. Um, We'll start there. I think those are some good jumping off points. I think if you're an adept podcast host, you'll be able to do something with that. Let's see it. Nope. Okay. That, that paints, that paints yeah. a, that's a decent picture I painted of myself, yes. given the amount of time. Okay. Good looking, smart, charismatic. I didn't say good looking, and I never said charismatic. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that, I did say likable, which is the same. Okay. Well, that, that's a way to be good looking. You're better looking than me. I'll give you that much. Dylan. Yes. Don't open. <laughs> How do I take that compliment without being a bastard to you? I guess I could just say thanks. Yeah, just say thanks. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> I'm getting better at uh, not being rude. Uh-huh. I'm getting better you, at being kind, I think. Yes. I'm an emotional person. I'm a reactionary emotional drug addict. Okay, which kind of, uh, gets, uh, that kind of cancels out the part of me that's bright. I think I function on a much lower intelligence level than I actually am. I could see how you perceive Because I have a short attention span and I operate on an emotional level a lot. But, but when you focus that, when you focus, your, your intellect comes through. Because like some of your comedies, you know, some of, some of those things you put in there are so specific. And, you know, the way you just craft the words. Really? There's, I think there's intelligence there. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not trying to be intelligent in my comedy. If it is intelligent, that's fine. But I'm only trying to be... F- I'm never interested in showing anybody how smart I am. But if people watch it and they're like, oh, he's smart, that's great. But do you ever watch those comedians where it's clear that it's very important to them that they look and sound intelligent? Yeah. Isn't that annoying? Like when they're writing, they're referring to you know books and... It's like, Obscure yeah. references, uh, just this... Uh, the, the tone is very pretentious and uppity uh am i making sense yeah okay they might be comics who we probably agree with politically a lot you know comics who uh, in their act i can tell i probably vote the same way as this person but he's not making me laugh at all yeah okay doing a good job of making good points and shedding light on issues and i'll find myself sitting there nodding in agreement saying yeah i hear you and not laughing once This is a really smart, thoughtful, correct person who is not making me laugh. Yeah, I I can't think of any examples. Well, we're not going to name names. We're not going to go ahead and turn, you know, this this sacred thing into a gossipy podcast. We know that your creativity podcast is above that, don't we, Dylan? We do. Okay. Now, the next question I usually ask is, how do you get, how did you get to where you are today? To where I am? Yes. As just a human being? Just um, 
more like the evolution of your comedy, you know, where you started. Oh, so just just the comedy itself. Yeah. Okay, I can answer that question. Um, the biggest, uh, the biggest, probably the most significant realization I had early on in comedy was that my comedy didn't have any jokes. When I very first started, uh, I was telling stories. Because when I was just like sitting around bantering with my friends, I was funny. I'm like, oh, well, that's all I have to do with stand-up. I was not really... I didn't know a lot about stand-up when I first started doing it. I had only become a fan like six months prior. Okay. Um, I had never been to a comedy club before I started doing comedy. I had never performed stand-up before my first... Well, obviously, I never performed stand-up before my first open mic, but I had never been to an open mic, right? So I was not comedy savvy at all. Like how jokes were constructed, uh, things like that, premise setup punchline, things like that. The skill of being a stand-up comedian. I wasn't even aware there was a skill set. Not only did I not have that skill set yet, I wasn't even aware there was a skill set. I thought it was just purely talent. I thought it was just a funny person going up there and being funny, and that was what stand-up was. Right. And that's what I tried to do, and I was bombing. And I couldn't really figure out why and I thought about it and I realized you know I'm not just hanging out with my friends bullshitting I'm a performer and when you're a performer there's expectations put on you when you're standing on a stage with a microphone and a light and you have everyone's attention with the expectation of you're going to make them laugh if a minute goes by and you haven't made them laugh it's really unsettling and hurts your confidence and suddenly it's not the same at all as just hanging out with your friends. Right. And I realized what I need are jokes. I need to get to something funny fast. How how many open mics did you do before you, uh, Mm. did you go to before you went up? Before I really, before I got like a guest set? Um, Let's see, I started open mics in May and then I got on a real show in October. So not too long, but I would say something kind of clicked after like, you know, May, April, June, July, August, after like five months, um, I started kind of writing jokes, getting to the funny faster, wasn't trying to tell stories, but the jokes were still from my life. And in particular, the stuff about being a recovering heroin addict, I only had like six months clean when I started doing comedy. And I started writing jokes about being in recovery. Right. Because that's what I was thinking about all of the time. I was thinking yeah. about two things, not using heroin and doing stand-up comedy. Okay? And once I started to kind of figure out how to write a joke and get to the funny, that's when I started, you know, things started clicking a little bit. Right. And I started getting laughs and getting better at it. Okay, then I really zeroed in on writing jokes, and I noticed like dark stuff was working for me because I was writing about uh, being a recovering heroin addict. And then a few months went by, and I was really influenced by Anthony Jeselnik, and really started kind of copying his swagger a little bit and being too influenced by him. Where I'll watch old tapes of myself, and it's this really shitty Anthony Jeselnik impression. The jokes are good, I think. 
and they're personal, but they're very, the, the cadence is very deliberate. It's a very obvious uh, style that's influenced by Jezelneck. And obviously I needed to get away from that because yeah. there's already an Anthony Jezelneck. So then I just started being more mindful of not sounding like him, which is something that a lot of comics have struggled with, not being able to totally escape their influences. You know, especially starting out, your influences are going to shine through. Right. So I had to make a very mindful effort not to... I'm sorry, this is kind of a long answer. No, um, no. You're but I'm, we're just talking about my comedy and where it started and how it got to where it's at now. Yeah. And I just started making like a mindful, conscious effort not to sound like him, not to do that kind of cadence. And slowly but surely, I was getting away from that. And then... As I became more comfortable on stage and more confident in my abilities, I started riffing a little bit more, going up there with not just jokes written word for word, but ideas that were kind of jokey, and then riffing on it and writing it on stage and becoming better at engaging and performing and just kind of sounding like myself more than a character, but then stayed with the joke writing. And... That's what I've been cultivating now probably the last three, four years now, is writing an idea, turning it into a joke, then going up there with four or five of those, or sometimes even just one new one, telling it and riffing it out and being present and being in the moment. And now, after about seven years, kind of getting to where I first started of just being myself and being a funny dude on stage, but now with the skill set that makes a comedian, not just the talent. The skill set of writing jokes, skill set of riffing, the skill set of knowing what the audience is into, what they like, what they don't like, and now having enough material to draw from to like, okay, they're not on board with this dark stuff. I can take it in a sillier direction. Right, because I I go to the the club here enough that, you know, I see some comedians do the, you know, the same stuff every time and depending on the crowd is how it lands right and eventually and if you know if they've been doing it a couple of years or something like that you can't really hold that against them i remember when i first started doing guest sets i had like you know five to seven minutes of material and it was all really dark stuff about recovery and if i was three minutes into my set and i noticed the audience wasn't on board all I could do was just power through and do my time. Right. And it wasn't until I had you know, more years of comedy under my belt that I had a broader array of uh, material, subject matter to draw from. Yeah, those and first few minutes, you figure out what kind of crowd it is, and then you base the rest of it yeah, on that. And now I, yeah, exactly. I'll go up. And now, like, you know, here at Wise Guys, I was, I was hosting a lot, and I would do stuff that was kind of a little safer. I would make jokes about where we were at the mall, stuff like that. Um, and then maybe stuff about dating, uh, kind of safer stuff that isn't going to be so jarring. You know, you got to keep right. in mind, these are the first jokes <laughs> the people are going to hear tonight. Yeah. I don't want to go up and tell some joke, like make the first joke about my junkie friend who got AIDS. That's not the first joke they should be no. hearing <laughs> that night. And it's already unsettling coming from a guy who looks like me, because I look safe. Yeah. 
And establishing comfort, I say, is the thing that I've really had to work on. There's some comics who are really good at establishing comfort and making the audience feel comfortable, and that's not naturally who I am. Who I am naturally is somebody who creates tension, which isn't necessarily what you want to be doing when you're hosting a show. You want to make people comfortable and establish that kind of tone for the show. Right. And if I were doing a longer set, like 12 minutes or something like that, then I could go a little bit more messed up if I felt like I had them. You know? And everything yeah. I sh I'm saying right now, I should say, I, I don't have comedy figured out yet. I'm still constantly baffled by it. I'm only... Do any comics really ever do? Um, completely. Opinion? Like, I would hope not, because that would kind of ruin the fun in it. Yeah. But certainly a comic who's been doing it 20 years has a much better handle on it than me. And has a much better sense of themselves than I do. But no, I imagine absolutely they still don't totally have it figured out. I was watching Seinfeld in an interview with Larry King a few years ago. And Larry King asked him, how do you know what's going to work? And he said, you know, you don't really. You have an idea that you think is going to be funny, but you don't really know what's going to work until you go out and you try it in front of the audience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when you're writing, what kind of situation is the most uh, creative for you? Like sitting alone or, you know, people watching at a coffee um, shop or... I don't have any one situation yeah. where clearly I'm like, okay, that's the, the situation where I draw a comedy from. What I do is I try to take note of funny things that happen in my life and then write them on my phone. And then when I get some free time, I'll find the joke in that funny thing and actually sit down and write it. Or at least write down an idea that's worth riffing out on stage. All right. Okay. Um, for instance, I just kind of am wrapping up like this new chunk about guys with ponytails. That's now, <laughs> yeah. And it's now like, have you heard it? No, I haven't heard it yet. You haven't heard the pony? Well, I, no. I saw a guy with a braided ponytail and khaki shorts. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that guy's probably really good at catching snakes. <laughs> And that was just the first thought I had. That's not really a joke, although it kind of can be. Yeah. And then I went and tried that out on stage and saw what worked and went and just thought about other guys with ponytails. What else do we know about them? Or at least how do I perceive them? Yeah. And it's evolved into kind of like this little four-minute chunk now. And it's not necessarily one of my strongest bits. In fact, sometimes it doesn't work as well as I want it to. But... It works well enough to where it's become like a regular part of the act. Right. It's like part of the act now. And that's just an example of something that started as an idea. I wrote it down. I tried it out and then went home and uh, just wrote jokes to it more. And it evolved into a thing. Um, but sometimes I would say I take time all the time and write by myself, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I really love writing a joke by myself. One that sometimes is just an idea I wrote on a piece of paper. And then I went and just wrote it. And it was just 100% a thing I just thought up. I'm like, there we go. That's a joke. Because for me, it's nice to know I don't have to depend on funny things happening to me to generate material. That if I'm really in a slump, which I have been before, I've been right. in droughts, if I want to, I can you know, kick myself in the ass and sit down and be like, okay, write some jokes. And I have that in my toolbox. Like I can do that. So that's, that's nice. 
Now, you mentioned uh, Giselnik as an influence early on. Um, Did you just call him Giselnik? Anthony Gisel. Uh, Jezelnik. Jezelnik. Jezelnik? <laughs> that sounds like a genie or something. Jezebelnik. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh Dylan. Uh, okay, go on with the question. All right. Uh, who, who else influenced you? Influences oh, man. You, well, like so, ma- like so many comics were just starting out Mitch Hedberg. Like for the first few weeks, I was one of a thousand open mic comics who was doing a Mitch Hedberg impression. Mine was especially bad, though, because as I said, I was telling stories with a, with a Mitch Hedberg cadence. It was atrocious. It's like, I work at my dad's garden center. I'm a third generation garden center worker. <laughs> like, no jokes in a Mitch Hedberg voice. So, like, this like, guy's uh, clearly hacking Mitch Hedberg, yeah. and he's not even doing jokes. Like, this is double shitty. But which comics influence me now? Um, yeah, yeah, just who generally inspires you? Oh, I really like Jokey guys quite a lot. I love Dave Attell so much. He makes me laugh so much. Um, of course, you know, the typical answers, guys like Patton Oswalt and Louis C.K. and Bill Burr, and then some weirder comics like Maria Bamford, I'm a big fan of. I, I really make an effort not to let him influence me too much and just be a fan Right. And Watchmen enjoy, and sometimes it's hard. Uh, Patrice O'Neill is a personal favorite. He's another one I really like. He's a comic who probably makes me... Like, I disagree with 99% of what he said, but he was hilarious. When he came to the club years ago, were you on the scene then, and did you see that show? Uh, yes, I was on the scene, but I was not at the show. Okay. Uh, which, if I knew he was going to die, I would have gone. Yeah. But I didn't know. I think I was in Ogden that weekend or something, so I didn't make it. Uh, I just didn't know he was going to die. Otherwise, I would have gone. Do we ever know, really? (laughs) What? Do we ever know? Well, I guess terminally people know, but in general, you'd never know when you're going to go. That's a very astute observation, Dylan. Well, I I recently had a longtime client um, uh, die. He went to the Trump inauguration. He was a big Trump person uh-huh. and he, he went out to the inauguration and when he was out there he, he got sick he got pneumonia and become became septic uh-huh and he, he was in the icu out there in virginia for like three or four weeks and then he got moved here so i'm like oh he got moved so he must be improving and then about a week later after that i i get a message that he uh-huh. passed away was he a friend of yours uh, i've worked with him off and on probably the past eight years Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He owned a splash, uh, plus splash pad company. He owned a splash pad company. Splash pad, where you know, um, in parks you'll see like. Cement. Oh sure, yeah, the water slides. They're they're not slides. They're like cement, cement things with sprinklers coming out. Okay. I I explained that horribly. But well, anyway. you sounded <laughs> like a hell of a guy. It's, the world is surely a worse place without him. He had a strong him. personality, and when I went to his funeral, it just hit me a lot harder than I was expecting. Okay. So. It is true. Sometimes people die, and you don't know it. I'm sorry your friend died, Dylan. That's too bad, buddy. I, I, I'm doing okay with it. It was just it just caught me off guard. Now, when my grandpa died, I knew it was coming. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, do you want to he go can- into that? He had can- oh, yeah, he had cancer, and he tried to beat it with juice. So it was easy to see Grandpa's going to die. 
he got diagnosed with colon cancer uh-huh. and he didn't trust the doctors or chemotherapy. So he just bought a juicer. It's like, yeah, grandpa's going to die. And sure enough, he went. He died as, you, as fast as you possibly could from cancer. I th- I didn't, so that's I an example of somebody dying and knowing it's coming. When I somebody gets cancer and they try to beat it with juice, you can bet that person's probably going to die. I think Steve Jobs handled his cancer in a similar way since I don't think he really trusted, you know, medicine and... Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't follow Steve Jobs' uh, battle with cancer too much. I'll have to read up on that. Yeah, they kept it pretty quiet. I came unprepared to the podcast on that subject. I apologize. Who knows that we were going to talk about Steve Jobs. (laughs) I know, but it's my bad I dropped the ball on that one. That's okay. Prepare for next next time. Let's keep it rolling. I'm having a good time. Now, tonight's show, uh, the show, your, your main show is called Andy Gold's Big Wet Showcase. That's right. What, where where that name come from? Does that have that came? Name? You are you know the answer to that. <laughs> I know, but our this is not our, this is not a real conversation we're having. Our listener doesn't. Okay, um, <laughs> the name our listener. I like how you didn't pluralize it. I do believe that you only have one listener. I'm sorry, dude. I just took a cheap jab. <laughs> is it really you? Are you the only person who listens no, to this there, podcast? There's probably a few others. Okay, I, I, I don't know how many listeners offhand. You don't? No. We'll keep it up, dude. It's only a matter of time I before just this podcast goes straight to the top. Lands where it does. Excellent. Um, well, I had a podcast with the uh, with Sasha, who is your producer and was yep. my producer, called the Big Wet Podcast. Uh, I just couldn't think of a name for the podcast, and Sasha was really kind of, "Hey, do you have a name yet?" And I just texted him that, and <laughs> I'm bringing the podcast back, as you know, yes. uh, with Sasha again. We didn't get along that well. Uh, some of it was my fault. Some of it was his fault. But we're very cool right now. And you have um, two states between you. We have two states between us. That's what will make it easier. And Christian Piper, who has been really helpful in like putting together the pieces for this festival, just named the showcase the Big, Wait, Big Wet Showcase. Right. And that's uh, tomorrow night. Tonight I'm hosting for TJ Miller. Very nice. Yeah, it should be sold out. I'm pretty I, pumped. Have you met him before? I think I've opened for him before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he did. A, he put a bit of mine on his podcast, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one about my dad, uh, the fisting one with my dad. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the, I can't even remember what it was called, but yeah, I can't remember anything. The network or anything. Seth Tippett's, who's your uh, rival website guy, shared the link with me. This has a lot better with the websites than I am. I do WordPress, but he. Seth, Seth is better with websites than yes. you. I agree. Probably faster, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. No, it takes me a while with websites. WordPress gets funky sometimes. Here's a question. What yes. are you good at? Um, pissing off my wife. <laughs> I think you're really good at being a fan of Star Wars. Um, I go back and forth between Star Wars and Star Trek. Depends, okay. Depends th- on the quality. I think you're really good at having some of the most confusing slash disturbing profile pictures on Facebook. <laughs> What's an example of that? The one with your face over the New York skyline saying honor 9-11. It was horrifying. That was <laughs> it, yes, it was. That was, not, that was nightmare inducing. The face of Dylan Maziotti over the New York skyline, just smiling over the Twin Towers before their imminent destruction. 
I must have forgotten that about that. I should never forget, but I must have forgotten. Oh, that yeah, it's that. was that a joke? Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> What's another profile picture you have? Uh, the one your new headshot where you're glaring at the camera very sternly, saying you stand with refugees. That one made my skin crawl. Um, what, uh, <laughs> what, what, what's another one? Um, the one with you and the fedora. Oh, the gr- I call that one the grumpy gangster. The grumpy gangster? Yeah. Yeah, that one doesn't have a caption that's off-putting, but the, the picture itself is enough to make me cringe, I would say. Well, I had a fedora. I'm, I'm, I'm chubby, and just the way we sat for it, I, I just grumpy gangster. That's your defense of the photo, huh? Yes. Okay, good. Um, but what I liked about it, the common denominator in all the photos that I really liked about it was just the, uh, the sheer authenticity that is Dylan Maziotti shining through. I don't smile. <laughs> no, in the Honor 9-11 yeah. smile, you <laughs> oh. did. You had a really, like, uh, kind of smile of, I don't know, like the smile of a man who has kids in his crawl space. Kind of this half-cocked, really sadistic smile, but not, not, but not knowing it's sadistic. Right. A, a smile of pleasure, but underneath some real evil. I, I have no kids. I don't think you're an evil guy, <laughs> and I don't think you have kids under your crawl space. I'm just saying when you not smile, you look that way. Dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, on to the so, next question, yeah. Dylan. So, big, big wet podcast. What what kind of stuff shenanigans and hullabaloo do you have on there? Hullabaloo? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I was trying to find a word that would go with shenanigans. Uh-huh. And that's a good one. Uh, what kind of tomfoolery I have? Tom, that was actually. Uh, what kind of enthusiastic for. corruption of the public good shall I have coming towards the big wet podcast, sir? Yes. Okay. Um, well, first episode is just a reintroduction of the Big Wet Podcast, which I'm recording this Sunday back in the studio, which I think is fitting, uh, before I head back to L.A. And my very first guest is going to be a paleontologist. Where did you meet this paleontologist? I shot out an email to different L.A. paleontologists. His name's Andrew, and he works for a museum called ALF in what L.A. What is the... ALF stand for? I forget. Oh, okay. Uh, but he's really excited about it. And I'm just going to ask him questions about dinosaur bones, who would win in a fight out of a dinosaur, and Noah. Could a dinosaur fit on Noah's ark? What is, a, what is his favorite dinosaur bone? What if there were two animals banging? Okay. And the dust from the meteor froze them in time. Could we make a dinosaur from the fossilized dino cum. <laughs> Could we do that? I'm not going to spoil it and, you know, use up all of my good content on your creativity right. because we both know your creativity is already at the top. Okay, I don't need to, you know, propel it any further into the stratosphere of success. So I'm not going to just waste all of my content. But do you get the idea? I do get the idea. And then I'm going to have not too many comics on the show. I don't want it to be another comic interviewing a comic show and just WTF it out. You know what I mean? Right. I'll have uh, a paleontologist on there. I'm going to get, like, some weird palm reader type people on there. Uh, I want to get, like, uh, 
like a priest and an atheist and have them on there and have them WTF it out and have, have them have a conversation while I mediate it. Uh, stuff like that. I'll get uh, like a hardcore feminist leader of the LA community. Uh, talk to that person about what their life is like. Try to get people who are important slash and or interesting. Yeah. And in LA, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people like that in Utah too, though, man. True. There's just more people in LA. Yeah. I would say per capita, there's as many interesting people per capita in Salt Lake as there are in LA, which means there's a lot more uninteresting shit to sift through to to get to the good stuff in LA. Yeah, I haven't lived in L.A. or spent a lot of time in L.A., but yeah, I, yep. I can see where you're coming well, from. Well, you there. do know that there's a lot of people, yeah? Yes. Okay, it's, well, it's yeah. a, one of the major cities of okay. our, our United States of America. That's very good, Dylan Maziotti. <laughs> All right, let's keep the ball rolling. I, I was going to make a Trump joke there, but I backed out at the last moment. You backed out of a That's, Trump joke? Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me uh, text this. T- uh... Keith Stubbs just texted me. I'm next door, comma, doing Dylan's podcast. Are you, can you edit this out? I'm sorry. Sasha, edit this out. Okay. <laughs> what room are we in right now? Um, the storage room in the back. Of what? Of the big room? Of uh, the Moab room. In the storage room in the back of the Moab room. Okay, cool. Or you can leave that in. What? That's a glimpse into the life of Andy. Andy talking to Keith. Okay. Here we go. We'll leave it in. So we were just okay. talking about L.A. Let's go. Let's do it. So uh, comedy scene-wise, L.A. versus um, Utah, Salt Lake, how, how do they differ? Are they... Well, um, L.A., there's just more stage time. It's, I guess it's quality versus quantity, really. With some good spots, like I've been able to get on some real shows here and there, like up in... I'm doing a show up in Simi Valley on the 10th in front of real people. But it's a lot of like crappy mics and shows in front of a dozen stoned comics uh, where that material doesn't always work in front of real audiences here in Utah. And in Utah, I would get regular stage time at Wise Guys mm-hmm. in front of real audiences, which is invaluable. So to be honest, I don't feel like I'm getting any better at comedy in L.A. There's just more uh, industry opportunities in L.A. Uh, but I don't feel like it's where you go if you want to get better at comedy, to be honest with you. At least not at my level, because the shows I'm doing, uh, I'm doing them more just to meet people than I am to get better. All right. Because it's very difficult, at least for me, to get anything valuable performing at one in the morning in front of seven stoned comics who are looking at their phones. There's nothing, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. nothing to. Some people would really disagree with me on that and say, no, you can, but that's how I feel. I would say there's more opportunity in LA, but unless you're at a very high level, uh, you can actually build an act easier here in Salt Lake City than you can in LA. Yeah, I was just curious about that. At least for me. yeah. Now you hear about shows out there that you know, the the some of the big names show up. Um, yeah. Have you experienced that any nights when you were at some clubs? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld popped in to a show in the lab at the Improv the other night, on my buddy Christian's show, which was surreal and exciting and awesome. The lab is just this alty side room, in the Improv that holds like fifty people. 
and there were okay. there were like 12 people there there were like 12 people and Jerry Seinfeld goes up and does time there weren't 12 people much long after that everybody yeah. started to trinkle <laughs> in and it filled yeah. up but that was bonkers it was incredible and amazing and he was great he was so funny that just would be mind-blowing it's just you're hanging out there with yeah and then it's like literally the biggest comedian alive so i mean yeah to answer your question yes okay yeah um on to the next question Cool. We'll, we'll we'll wrap it up here. So oh, dude, are we almost done? That was we're almost good. done. We're okay. at. I really enjoyed myself, man. We're at forty minutes. So on a, for a one-on-one, that's actually really good. Um, your f- what's your favorite thing about doing comedy? My very favorite thing about doing comedy. Yes. Um. The high that comes after a good set, or being on stage and getting the laughs—that feeling, like plain and simple. That's. 100% why I do everything that I do. Like having a great set and that filling is the best filling in the world to me. That's my favorite thing. It's indescribable. Um, that's just charges me up, man. That's absolutely, that's a simple short answer, but that's it. It feels like it completes you. No, no. God damn, <laughs> Dylan, gross. Uh, Ew, <laughs> just no. Ugh, don't interpret it anyway, just listen to okay. it. <laughs> it feels like it completes me, Dylan. Like, oh God, edit that one out, Sasha. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, that, uh, completes me. Like, this, it feels like this is where you're, what you're meant to be doing and no not necessarily not necessarily um i don't have any sort of feelings of destiny when i'm doing it like i was made by god to do this this is my destiny and my purpose i just feel like it's something i'm good at uh not all the time some nights i'm really bad at it okay but it is something that gives me a sense of purpose. I'll say that. That's probably the most profound meaning I can attach to it. Uh, I'm driven to do it. I'm compelled to do it, which is not a thing I've had in my life a lot. Something that I'm compelled to do and driven to do and motivated to do just because I really love doing it. And I get a sense of fulfillment from doing it. Uh, I get a sense of value from doing it, Uh, accomplishment, achievement, a lot of great things come from progressing in stand-up, and it all stems from just getting those laughs on stage. It's more than just a high. It's that high, what it represents, and when I take that home with me and what it motivates me to do, and absolutely, it gives me a tremendous... Uh, sense of purpose and uh, happiness and motivation. So that's what I love most about stand-up. Okay. I, I think you were looking for some depth to the answer, so there you have yeah, it. Yeah, th- that, is, that okay. is the depth I was looking for. There you go. Make sure and you refer to the card again. Yes. Okay. Because I... F- as soon as I get the microphone in front of in front of me, I forget things like earlier we talked about. Well, it's a good thing I, you I, decided I to host breathe. a podcast then, Dylan. I, I usually have a co-host or two that help out and I see. Okay. It gets me a lot more relaxed because they can carry some of the weight. I see. Okay. They can share with, they can share. I gotcha. All right. 
So where can everybody find you? Oh, my social media plug. Social media plug. Uh, my Twitter is at Andy A Gold. What does the A stand for? Austin. It's my middle name. Yeah. Very nice. And then you can find me on Facebook. Just Google Andy Gold Comedian Facebook. I'll pop up. Instagram is Andy Austin Gold. Snapchat is Andy A Gold. And then I have a website, www.andygoldcomedy.com. Who made that for you? Was you that, did, sir. I did? Yeah. And I got to get you my dates so you can update that shitizzle. Yes. Okay. Did I swear too much on the podcast? No. Okay, cool. Sasha took care of that last episode. I interviewed Sasha and Johnny last time. Oh, cool. And that, there was a lot of cussing in that one. Oh, <laughs> I, I like your accent. That's fun, huh? That, that's my cussion voice. Ah, I see. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Cool. Uh, Everybody, thanks for coming on, uh, listening. Uh, You can listen to us on Air, not Air Whole Media. That's gone. The Utah Stand Up Network. Utah Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Thank you very much. Yes. Or you can uh, look us up on our social, Your Creativity Across the Board. But instead of the A, it's an eight. Cool. So. All righty. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Dylan. Bye bye.